The Prodigious Leadership Podcast is crafted to create leadership solutions for the incubation, nurturing, and growth of dreams all around. This podcast was conceptualized out of a desire to challenge convention and indifference in leader spaces and to deliberately set them up for a vibrant and formidable future. We are about challenging boundaries and setting up new ones. Today on the Prodigious Leadership Podcast, we have Marquise Boone. Marquise is a business executive dedicated to upscaling the African-American community. Using his platform, he has produced content for widespread international audiences. Being at the center of producing television shows, music, real estate, and practicing philanthropy and artist management, he's a CEO, businessman, and God-made multimillionaire. Marquise has served as an industry executive for many years, and not only is Marquise well-equipped in business strategy and marketplace philosophy, but he has a plethora of experience in entrepreneurship, artist management, real estate development, and film and TV production. From running a multimedia empire to speaking to massive crowds, Marquise has the track record and the power to make business happen. Enjoy. They've seen him at his highest, they've seen him at his lowest, they've seen him with nothing, they've seen him feed, perform miracles, all this craziness, right? But check this out. They betray him, turn away from him, he comes back and he promotes them Wow. when they haven't done the last thing right. Wow. This is the boss who takes them from disciples and then gives them a promotion to apostles and they haven't even done the last thing right. Wow. Because love is not, love is the thing that keeps you grounded. It's the thing that makes you see beyond what a person's last mistake is. Mm. And sometimes it's easy for us to throw people away when they haven't done right versus love them through their situation till they do right. This, this is so beautiful because we were actually having a conversation before and, uh, and the conversation was like really long. And, you know, I was like, let me just push record, you know, before this whole interview time just becomes a conversation between us. Sir, such a privilege and honor to have you on. How are you doing? Are you good? I am great, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. And I'm excited to be sharing with you and your community. Um, but I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. Oh, wow. You're in Atlanta, Georgia. Such an amazing um, opportunity for us to be able to connect um, like I said, you know, I, I really admire your work. I admire your leadership, your, your entrepreneurship. Um, I'm even following a lot of your insights on real estate. And, mm -hmm. you know, you and I actually both um, see ourselves admiring and, you know, well, for you, it's more of a personal relationship. For me, it's more of an afar relationship. But who knows? Maybe the Lord will ensure it's personal one day. We both admire Bishop, Bishop T.D. Jakes. A really, really whole lot. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I can even see how much that contributes towards just who you are and just how you posture yourself, you know. Um, I yeah. think that can even lead me to my first question. Um, mm -hmm. How How is you just having Bishop T.D. Jakes as a head and other leaders and other people in your life um, as a head to submit under and just to be a servant under? How has that developed and shaped you in your leadership path, you know, today? That's a great question. I think one of the things that is probably the most instrumental and powerful thing that I can say that has catapulted me as a leader is my relationship 
in my submission to Bishop. Um, for years, I've watched him from afar and I saw how he was able to do ministry, do entertainment, do politics, do business, and all as a man of faith. And it became my, my model. And I think a lot of times as humans, we have to have models. And what I mean by that is someone that you can look at their life or you can look at their business plan or you can look at their strategy or you can look at their uh, record and you can model that and take pieces of that and implement it into your life. Not saying that you have to necessarily clone it or you know, duplicate it, but it's something that you can aspire to. And so he became the model for me. And uh, as years went by, I ended up building a personal relationship and a, uh, a submission to his leadership. And it's been phenomenal, man. He challenges me. He stretches me. He makes my mind go to other places that is never gone before. He makes me look at things from different places and different strat different perspectives. And so it's an amazing experience. And I think every leader needs a leader and you can't be a amazing leader till you've been an amazing follower. And so that's what I believe he's done for me. Wow, that's so good. Every leader needs a leader. That's really good. And, you know, I'm sure even uh, he's even said this in multiple interviews. I'm sure even Bishop Jakes himself has, you know, relationships where he's yeah. submitting, you know. I mean, Absolutely. You look at how many people are, how many people admire Bishop Jakes, Stephen Furtick, John Gray, Torrey Roberts, Joel Tudman, uh, you, yeah. Pastor Chris Hill. There's so many people, giants in the kingdom who admires Bishop, Bishop Jakes. And I'm sure he's got relationships in his life where he's, yeah. he's also submitting, where he maintains a posture of submission and servanthood, Correct. you know? Correct. Um, you being a karma, you know, because yeah. you are karma, right? And just for context, please do, when you answer, give people just what the definition of what a karma means to you. But you being a karma, how do you maintain the posture of humility and servanthood while being an entrepreneur who runs multiple businesses, successful in real estate, successful in entertainment, um, successful in ministry, and you know, you're doing all of these things and you're success, successful in all of these things, but you still maintain a posture of servanthood and, and humility. How do you do that? Uh, yeah, so uh, first of all, I am a comma, you know, so a comma for me, it, it basically means something that literally uh, interjects and changes the trajectory of your life, your family, your generation um, for legacy inheritance. You know, we talk about going from uh, uh, five figures to six figures, from six figures to seven figures, from seven figures to eight figures. So every level, every season and every level it requires a comma. So you have to be a comma. You have to be someone and say, okay, enough for five levels is now six figures, you know? So um, the way I'm able to maintain just the navigation and my faith and all of these different uh, things that I work and operate in, it starts with my personal uh, devotion. I think a lot of times, you know, people think that you have to quote unquote, do it the way everyone else has done it. And whenever you have influences that kind of try to manipulate the way you operate, it will be challenging. But for me, my discipline, my faith, my, my prayer life, my, my, my study, uh, I don't study to, you know, preach or to go and do something. I do it for me to live and survive. I think when you're equipped uh, with the word of God and with, 
your faith, you can go into any industry and not be moved. You will become the thing that influenced other people in that particular space. And that's what I've learned how to do. You know, I started doing spiritual advisement uh, for celebrities when I was like 20 years, 21 years old. Wow. And it brought me into environments. Yeah, it brought me into environments where, you know, they were drinking, they were smoking, they were doing all these things and all that kind of stuff. And at first I was a little leery, but one thing I realized that God didn't save me to just save, save people, <laughs> but he yeah. saved me to go into industries where my light could shine and I could attract more people to his kingdom. And uh, that came through discipline. Not everyone has the strength to do or go into those type of environments. But those who are called and those who are assigned to those things, uh, you gotta be prayed up, you gotta be, you have to have your study, you gotta do your devotion, you gotta have a relationship. But that's what is able to keep me. And the desires, the Bible says, that God will give you the desires of your heart as long as you walk upright in him. So my walk being upright in him is more important than anything else that I can see or obtain in these particular arenas. So my faith really is, is challenged before I go into these avenues. And that's what's keeping me when I'm in entrepreneurship, when I'm in uh, entertainment, when I'm in uh, real estate, whatever that world is that I'm in, my faith keeps me because of what I do prior to that. Oh, wow. So your faith is um, a commodity and you carry your faith even in different arenas that don't necessarily, okay, let me say this properly. You carry your faith in different arenas that are not necessarily faith-based, but you carry your kingdom culture into those areas. Did I say that? Okay. Yep. That is correct. It's like when I come to, if I come to, if I come to your country, you know, um, I can bring my money with me, right? But my money is not usable until I make an exchange. So faith is that currency that can go with you anywhere in the world. Yeah. But sometimes you exchange. So the way that I, I, I share my faith in church is totally different the way I share my faith in entertainment. The way I share my faith with an unbeliever is totally different than the way I share my faith with a person who is a believer. And I think we have to learn how to navigate that. A lot of times we try to, to feed people consistently the same way, no matter what industry we're in, and it's not going to work that way. You got to know how to make that exchange, that currency exchange. It doesn't mean you're losing it. It just means that you're using it differently. Oh, I like that. doesn't mean you're losing it. It means you're using it differently. That brings us to the conversation where even as a leader, if you're in a position where you feel like there are certain areas where you have to compromise on your faith, you don't necessarily have to compromise on your faith. Yes, understand the context and surrounding, but carry the culture of your faith. Because at the end of the day, the culture of your faith, the knowledge of your faith is what makes the difference. And I'm sure that's what you experienced, especially when you were advising celebrities and you know other people and offering them counsel, is you understood that, okay, the context might be saying a different thing, but what I'm bringing to the table has to be different. It reminds me of the scripture that says, you're the light of the world. And when you translate that word light, it means knowledge. And, and I remember I was speaking to a friend the other day and I was saying, the difference between somebody who's transformed and that's not where, that's not necessarily fully transformed is knowledge. It really is just a, a, a knowledge gap, you know? So how, how can you say you as a leader where do, where do you get your knowledge from? Where do you get 
Who feeds you where knowledge is concerned? Where do you get that knowledge that enables you and puts you in a position where you can be free from certain bondages, free from certain trials, where you can enter into rooms, be yourself, and be fully present in that moment and excel as a leader? Yeah, I think that's 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 a great question. Um, so for me, man, it starts with reading. Like I'm a huge reader. I love to read, and it's not just you know uh, faith based content. It's business books. It's uh, inspirational books. It's um, uh, psychological books. Uh, I read a whole lot, and I think the more um, you read, the more it kind of expands your palate. Uh, it gives you perspective. It gives you knowledge. It gives you understanding. It gives you the ability to kind of look at things from different perspectives. Um, so one way that I, I find knowledge and I obtain knowledge is through books. So I read a lot. Um, also articles, you know, I think um, when you read articles, you get perspective, you get other people's perspective, you get things that will enlighten you. It gives you the knowledge that you may need that you don't have. Uh, another way for me is I listen to Bishop every single week. Um, so mm. that's another thing wow. that feeds me. Yeah, every week I listen to him uh, and I take my notes and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to find more knowledge. Right. And then another thing is for me, um, you watching stuff like television, movies, stuff like that also feeds me. It gives me knowledge. It gives me information. Um, I'm a very visual person. So a lot of stuff, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm talking and helping people it's from things that I've seen and been exposed to uh, by way of entertainment or, or, or TV or film. So that helps me as well. Um, and then I think writing, writing is important. It's therapeutic. Um, but it's also a great way to kind of dump everything that you have on the inside on paper and then also be able to learn and to grow more from that. So all of these different uh, things are like uh, melting pots that come down and feed me with knowledge, information, and even exposes me to more. Mm, wow, that's really great. And I love yeah. also how you, you said not everything that you listen to is faith-based, which is not wrong right. because... We in the world, we've got to understand how the systems operate and we, we've got to be able to engage within those different markets. Um, you know, and, and, and I love the leadership conversation really because I, I also love how you said you are a, a, a huge reader. You know, you prioritize reading and you prioritize knowledge. How do you yes. discipline yourself? I mean, even you saying you listen to Bishop every week. How do you discipline yourself as a leader to always be postured as a student? Yeah. So it's a it's a lifestyle. I think I think a lot of times everybody gets to a point in their life where you have to fight against what you know and what you think, you know. <laughs> and as long as you think you are the smartest person or the richest person or the most phenomenal person, you'll never be open and, and ready for more. So the lifestyle that it has to become a lifestyle. So I've taken a position of a lifestyle of a, of a student. No matter how much I have, no matter where I've gone, no matter how much I've done, I'm always a student. No matter who I'm in the room with, I'm always a student. And the reason that is, is because I can even learn stuff from people who probably don't have as much as me. I can learn through their experiences. I can learn through the conversation. And I think as long as you have a posture of, I'm a student, you'll always grow. You'll always learn. You'll always be in that place. I think most people have this pride issue. They like to feel, they like to 
feel like they are quote unquote higher or they feel like they don't need to know nothing. They already know everything. And you kind of stunt your growth and you become stagnant. So I think um, having that posture as a student, making it a lifestyle and say, you know what? I am a student for life. Like I hate, I hate organized education, but I love the ability of continual learning. And I think living is a part of that continual learning. So as long as you remain a student as, as a lifestyle, I think you'll always grow. Mm, as long as you remain a student as a lifestyle, you always grow. How do you deal as a leader that's continually learning? Because I'm sure you, in particular, you learn about people, people dynamics, how people are. I mean, you have multiple organizations. You work with a lot of people. How do you how, how do you how do you navigate through people with different personalities, people who come from different faith backgrounds, who believe in different um, who, who hold, okay, let me say, who hold themselves to different values and standards that are different from that which you're trying to set for your organization, but they're competent. So how, how, do, you, how do you navigate through that? I hope that's a good question. Yeah, for sure, man. So the first thing you got to realize is that all people, all humans are the same no matter where you go. They may look different. They may have different names. They may have, speak different languages, uh, come from different cultures, but all of us at the core are the same. So we all want this. Every human being wants one thing, and that is to be loved and the ability to love. Wow. I don't care how, how hard or mean or prideful somebody is. At the core of that human, they want love. They want to be loved and they want to be able to love. Everyone should experience that before they die, right? So when you understand at the core of every human is that statement, I don't care if a person is a serial killer and their, their mind is, is crazy. I can still approach them by way of knowing they want to be loved. And sometimes people act out and they take on different characteristics that's, a, that's not yours because they haven't experienced that love. You, I've learned that I can't change a person by giving them rules and giving them regulations and giving them duties and stuff that they need to do. I can only really change people when I first love them. When I love them the most, they'll naturally start to change. You don't, I don't have to force a person to say, oh, you need to come out of that or you need to stop doing this or you need to stop doing that. If I love them long enough, they'll change soon enough. It's like a flower. When you plant a seed in the ground, a farmer or a gardener doesn't go out to that spot where they plant that seed every day and say to that seed, you better grow up. You better come out of that dirt. You better grow. You better come out. You better grow up higher. No, they plant it, they water it, and they let time and sun do its work. And we have to do the same thing with people. We have to be there to love on them, to plant those seeds and not force people to change or come out of certain things, but love them till they change. Mm, I love that. Love them till they change. Wow, man. That was like a drop mic moment. That's really good. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll tell you why, because, and I myself am even guilty of this. I'm going to be transparent. I'll tell you why. Because the answer I was expecting from you was technical and structural. I was expecting an answer from you. Um, I was expecting you to talk to me about process, to talk to me about structure, to talk to me about, you know, um, uh, just to talk, give me a technical conversation, something I can go implement in my organization. But you spoke to me and you gave me an answer on personal leadership, how I, I as a leader have to love people and me developing that love, that then becomes an outflow within my structure within my yeah. process. 
and you and I have had the conversation we were talking about um, a while back, we're talking about uh, the governmental issues that we're experiencing in my country. I won't delve a lot into that, um, but imagine if the, the two things, the first thing, that priority of love came back or Absolutely. grew, you know, where our leadership is concerned in multiple countries, even in America, you know, you're yeah. experiencing a lot of challenges. Yeah. And if our leaders just learn to love people like gay or just yeah. love people, let me say love people. Period. Yeah, period. And, yeah, period. And make people the goal. Speak to us about that, bro. Love yeah. you. I, think, like, I can't give you technicality without that at the core because who you are naturally will also show up in your formal leadership roles. So if you're not a kind, loving person at home and, and within yourself, you could be a CEO making a billion dollars a year in a company and you're never going to be able to be more than what you are privately, publicly. So you have to have that, that core of love. I love people. I love people. And it's not, I love people who love things that I love, or I love people who love the type of music I love, or I love people who love the Bible that I love. No, I just love people, regardless of their background, lifestyle, all that. If you think about it, like God at the core, everything about him at the core of it is love. Even when God created Adam and Eve, like the core of it was love. He he placed them in a in a space where they could have anything they want, but one thing. But even when they touched that one thing, it never changed how he felt about them. Wow. Yes, he was disappointed. Yes, he was upset. Yes, he knew where they were, but he still asked them a question. Where are you, Adam? Mm. Not because he didn't know, but because he loved Adam so much that he wanted Adam to get to a place where he could be open, honest, and truthful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes through leadership, we don't have to lead with an iron fist. Uh, Bishop preached a message, um, a velvet glove. It's, it's, it's not always the iron fist that you got to use to hit people over the head and fix them and change them and get them to listen to you. But sometimes it's that it's that velvet glove. It's that soft on the outside, but very stern on the inside. It's that loving people till they change, you know? And I think that's the part that will process people. When you start loving people that keep making mistakes, like, okay, let me give you this phenomenal revelation I had. Jesus had 12, uh, let's say, employees, these disciples that was working for him, right? Mm -hmm. And at this level, they were all hired to be disciples. And they walked with him and worked for him for three and a half years. They've seen him at his highest. They've seen him at his lowest. They've seen him with nothing. They've seen him feed, perform miracles, all this craziness, right? But check this out. They betray him, turn away from him. He comes back and he promotes them. Wow. When they haven't done the last thing right. Wow. This is the boss who takes them from disciples and then gives them a promotion to apostles. And they haven't even done the last thing right. Wow. Because love is not love is the thing that keeps you grounded. It's the thing that makes you see beyond what a person's last mistake is. Mm. And sometimes it's easy for us to throw people away when they haven't done right versus love them through their situation till they do right. Wow. Ooh, say that again, my brother, please. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy for us to throw people away when they've done wrong. Uh, but sometimes we have to love people through everything they've done and love them till they do right. Wow. Oof, man. Yep. We can close and <laughs> that was it. You saying that 
made me think, had this crazy thought in my mind. Do you know that nowhere, let's have a dialogue, you and I, maybe you can even oh. correct me. Do you know that nowhere in the scripture does it tell us why the Lord loves human beings? Facts. It just tells us that he does. And even the angels questions, they question. They're like, why? What is it about man that you're so mindful? Mindful. Oof, man. Oof. <laughs> like, what is it? What is it? Like, some people will never comprehend. We, di- we don't comprehend why he's married to the backslider. We don't comprehend why uh, he chose the harlot. We don't comprehend why he allows the woman at his feet. We don't, we don't comprehend why he's so in love with us who continually, repeatedly do him wrong. Mm. And we reward people who do, who, who do right. That's what we do. We reward people who do right. But everything in the kingdom is in opposition. So in order for, in the world, we say, you know, in order to get more, we got to take it. But God says in order to have more, you must first give. Wow. (laughs) In the world, we say, you know, in order to be the boss, we have to be in charge. But in in the God's kingdom, he says, no. He said, if you ever want to be higher, you must first go low. Everything is in opposition, you know, with him. And so he never explains or tells or reveals why he loves us. Mm. But everyone knows that he loves us. Mm. And that he's mindful of us. Bro, what, what are you doing to me? Bro, whew. man, that's 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 a sermon, that's a book, that's everything, you know. Leaders learning the concept. What what do I say? Just learning the revelation of love. Absolutely. Loving. Yeah, if, we took, if we took the position and say, you know what, I'm gonna structure my company like he structured his company or his ministry or his movement, it would change the game. It would totally change the game. He did not interview people. He didn't interview people. He built relationships with people. And then he invited them to work with him. (laughs) We want to sit down. We want to see your resume. We want to see your credentials. We want to see what you've done, what you've accomplished. We don't care whether it's real or fake, as long as it looked good. And then when we hire you, your work then speaks for itself. He's the opposite way. He says, I'll develop a relationship with you. I'll show you what I can do. I don't want to see what you can do. So he gets on the boat with Peter. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, man, bro, my mind went exactly there. My mind was there like, oh, man, wait. Jesus served Peter. Absolutely. Before he recruited him. Before he recruited him. So he shows you what his value is, what he can do. Versus what you can do. Like he's already saw they come back with nothing. Oh. And he's like, that's cool. He was like, just cashing that. And the guy says to him, because he's smart, bro, this is my field. I know fishing. You should not cast your net in the daylight. Like that's stupid. You ain't going to catch nothing. But, but nevertheless, nevertheless, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless. That nevertheless, it's so, it's so uh, packed because that nevertheless it's, it's almost sarcastic. It's almost like, I'm going to do this to prove you wrong, or I'm going to do this to show you I'm right, or I'm going to do this so I can shut you up. Mm. And he does it, not with the right motive, but because of his wrong motive, he becomes rightfully. Ooh. And that's where his mood changes after he sees. But here's the powerful part. He sees what Christ can do, and he still leaves everything that he caught. Man. And he left all of that behind and followed him. So if we change the way we recruited people, 
on our in our businesses and our leadership and all that kind of stuff and say, you know what? I don't really just want to interview people. I want to I want to I want to develop relationships. I want to get to know them. I want to show them what I can do mm. and then partner with them. Mm. I want to serve them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Man, that's that, where it starts. That's that's so good, man. Oh man, that was great. You, you killed it. That was amazing. Man, we got it backwards. We got it backwards, man. We got it backwards. Mm. Half of the people that have ever worked for me were never qualified for the roles that I hired them for. Never. Never. But then these are the same people who's been with me for 10, 15, 20 years now. Because guess what? You cannot, you can't teach loyalty. You can't teach uh, dedication. You can't teach those things. But I can teach you clerical skills or I can send you to school for it. I can hire people and put them in roles and positions because I've developed a relationship with them and then provide the training that they need to sustain themselves in those roles. Mm. Mm. Wow. We rather hire people, we rather hire people that we don't have to serve or sow into to get them to where we want them to be. So then we hire people that's qualified and then they betray us and leave because now the newest opportunity that's better than the one you offered them is now available. Mm. And 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 do you think we've been so focused on hiring? people on the basis of what they can do and not necessarily on the basis of their understanding and comprehension of the vision. Absolutely. All the time. You know, we want, we want, we want the, the next big thing that makes us look good instead of taking on the next ugly thing to make them look good. Wow. It's a reversal, man. It's a reversal. Man, man, man. And I'll pay you six figures to make me look good because, because that's what I want. I want to be bigger. I want to be this. I want my business to blow up. So I'll pay six figures to you with no integrity. They have no integrity. They have no loyalty. They don't know your vision. They don't have no dedication, but they're going to give you what you want. Instead of taking somebody who doesn't look the part and you make them look good. And a byproduct of that is that your company grows. Your vision grows. Your, you have people that's dedicated to you for the long haul. Mm. Everybody needs a Lazarus, bro. Listen, check this out. Everybody needs a Lazarus. Most people are confused. If you really look at the story, you will be confused because Jesus talks about the 12 and his brother and mama and everybody he come in interaction with. We only see Lazarus show up one or two times. Mm -hmm. And then the first time we see Jesus in distress is when he gets word that Lazarus is sick and then he dies. Now, as a reader, you'll say to yourself, like, yo, this is confusing. This makes no sense. Like, why in the world is Jesus so distraught over the death of this man? Like, mm-hmm. we never see him with him. We never see him traveling. He's, he's, he doesn't work with Jesus. He's not, like, he can't be that close to him. What is it about Jesus and Lazarus' relationship that we don't know that makes Jesus cry? Because here's the fact, Jesus travels back to resurrect someone that we don't even know, haven't really seen, haven't really seen their relationship develop. Like you would think if he was this close to, to Lazarus, then Lazarus would be working for him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not the one that's always the closest to you that you're the most invested in, the one that has the most influence on you or the most connection to you. He raises Lazarus, watch this, because the, the resurrection of Lazarus now provides a higher opportunity for his life, his ministry, and his movement and his vision. Because everybody else that he's raised, he didn't even know. 
So the first person he raised was the widow's son. He didn't even know her. The second person he raised was the uh, was the um, was the uh, man who had the twelve year old daughter. Mm-hmm. This time, the third re- the next resurrection that he does is the one that he has to perform on the person that has his heart. Wow! All of us need all of us need Lazarus, that person that no one really knows how deep our relationship is mm-hmm. until they eat us. Man, man. They not on our Instagram. They not, they not at our, our, at our executive table. They don't work for us. But when they need us, that's when everybody finds out how close they are to us. Mm, mm, mm. We all need a Lazarus, man. We all need a Lazarus, man. That's some true gems there. That's a true gem there. And when you say that we, oh, bro, I've got a thousand questions for you. <laughs> that was that was that was a. I've got a thousand questions for you. When you say yeah. that in Jesus' ministry, we see him destroyed. We see him uh, in agony in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor Criflo Dollar always makes a joke, and he says, "You know, some people know that the scripture in in, in that." you know, um, story, Jesus wept, (laughs) you know how it is, (laughs) you know how it is, Um, but that's where you see Jesus being human. Yes. Right. That's where you see Jesus being human. And as leaders, man, we we, we don't want to get back to that. And I love how you even spoke about love. You know, we need love as leaders you can be a CEO, pastor, and 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 it took a toll on, on on a lot of leaders during the pandemic because a lot of us realized that man, where's the love at? You know, right, right. It, it looked like it was there in the crowds. It looked like yep. it was there on Instagram, but <laughs> it wasn't there when I really needed it. Please speak to us about that, bro. How can I? get into a position as a leader where I pursue love, being loved. I pursue taking care of my mental health. I pursue taking care of my soul, you know, my, right. my soul care, you know, as a leader. Yeah. You got to, uh, first you have to discipline yourself to put yourself in what I would say, like a schedule, man. Like, okay, every week I'm going to do this for myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a love on me. I'm a self care, whether that is, you know, seeing a therapist or going to get a massage or taking just a mental break. But on top of that, I think as individuals, we look for love to come from multiple places. So it's always quantity. We like, I need, I need someone to love me. I need someone to love me. We have to reposition ourselves to be about quality. If I just got one person that I know is going to really love me or two people, like you don't need more than that. You got to become satisfied with the ones that will provide the love to you. And I think sometimes we're always looking for the ones that we want to love us instead of turning to the ones that's willing to love us. And that's two different paths because sometimes the ones that want to love you may not be the ones that you want to love you, but those are the ones that provide love for you. We end up getting hurt by the ones that we're chasing that have no capacity to love us. And then we're, we're, we're empty and we're, we're feeling a certain kind of way because we chased that, which was not, the thing to love us instead of going after the ones that was willing to love us. So it has to be quality over quantity. Mm, quality over quantity. And what do you do as a leader to ensure that you're always in alignment? I know that, you know, alignment is important because, you know, I really, I, I, 
I sort of define alignment and, you know, just posture and positioning um, that's divine uh, as just being positioned to do all things well, being able to leverage right. change and have it all, you know? Right. Um, what, what, what does that look like for you as a leader? And, and I'm saying this because I myself even now am experiencing this. I'm experiencing... Um, and, and, and this is just a transparent moment. And I can, I can speak to you like this because you're my brother, right? Yeah. Um, I'm experiencing being, I'm experiencing realizing that there is a lot that I haven't released or spoken about or been open about, and it's affecting me. Yeah. To the point where I can't even track what's wrong with me. Right. Isn't, is, isn't, that, isn't that a place to be in? To the point where you can't even sit down and say, okay, look, What's the issue? What's bugging you? You can't yeah. even track what it Correct. is, but you're just in that position where you realize, no, something is wrong. Absolutely. I think um, we have this thing that we do in our mental that we don't really know that we're doing, and it's called suppression. So the more you suppress something and the harder it goes back, the less you know about it, but it's still there. So it becomes weighty. One way that we can overcome that just as men, right, is that we have to release by way of talking. And one thing we don't like to do is talk. You know, we don't like to share our feelings. We don't like to share our intimate moments or our heart. And like for me, I go I go see I have a, I call I call her my paid best friend. She's my counselor. I go see her once a month. And, you know, I used to go see her even more when I was like, you know, pastoring directly every single everybody because I, I needed somebody to dump stuff on. Right. Mm -hmm. But I see her every month because the reality is this. We were never built to carry our own load. Even Christ said, cast all your cares on me for I care for you. Mm -hmm. So the casting mean that there has to be a daily emptying, emptying the same way our body is like we put stuff in. If everything we put in never had nowhere to come out. Bro, can you imagine what that would look like and how we would look and how we would function? Mm. So if our normal body, God created our normal bodies to have an input and then an exit, we also have to have the same thing mentally. So anything that happens to us, that's that input. But then we have to also have the ability to have that exit, that cast, where we release it. We cast it on him. We cast it on the counselor. We do something. We got to get it out of us until we get to that place where we, we have this natural uh, regiment that's just in this groove and we know exactly how we're supposed to move, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to talk and all that kind of stuff. Right. But at this point where you like where you are, I've been there and I had to learn how to relinquish and to cast and to talk and to get it out. And then you start seeing that mentally you get free and then your body gets free. And then you have more clarity. You can accomplish more. You can do more. You can be more. All these type of things. So anything that blocks us have to be unblocked. The only way we get unblocked is that we have to release it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's super vital in leadership today. You know, um, I'm even thinking myself of how my team and I can work on, you know, just leadership um, wellness programs, you know, in any way. Yeah. You know? But it, yeah. yeah, it obviously just starts with us having these conversations. The leader needs to be well. You has know? to be. The leader has to be. Has to be well. You know, it, it, it's 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 mandatory. It's primary. The leader needs to be well. So that everything else can function. If the leader's well, the organization's going well, everything else is going well. And then that becomes a ripple effect. 100. 
100 as well. Man, my mind is full of a lot. <laughs> Anything else you have to say, bro? Hit, hit me. Nah, man. This, was, this was rich, man. This was rich, man. I really, really uh, enjoyed this conversation with you. And I just really feel like, man, you are on the edge of something very innovative, something that's going to really change just another generation and, uh, and require a demand from us to just grow up, to be more, to love more, to to want to see the people around us live better and do better. Um, I think if you keep that posture, man, like doors will continue to open for you. And also God will continue to blow your name in the wind and put it before great men who can have the ability to help you do the things that you want to do as well. So keep that heart, man, stay focused um, and keep, you know, inspiring leaders, man. Thank you so much, bro. I really appreciate it. Um, and, and, and I really appreciate you just taking the time to speak to us. Um, we are going to do more together and may God bless Absolutely. you. May God keep you. And may the Lord shine his face upon you. Bro, can you please say just a little, uh, a short prayer for us, for our leaders, for that leader who's watching, who understands yeah. that I have to prioritize love. I have to prioritize being loved and I have to start pursuing, you know, the better version of myself. You know, it reminds me of, it reminds me of the apostle Paul. He says, I've got to lay hold you know, yes. that thing which has been laid hold on me. Okay. And yep. it's just that pursuit. When you think of him saying that, you think of that, it's like my life is a pursuit. You know, in the mm-hmm. world, and, and I love to say in the world, we've got two different types of people. The first, people that are running from something. And the second, mm-hmm. people are running that are running towards something. That's good, That's right? People I'm that sure. are running towards something. And it reminds me of him, the Apostle Paul. He says, I've got to, you know, uh, forget the things which are behind. I've got to reach forth and 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 go towards something. My vision is centered towards yeah. a particular purpose, a particular mark, a particular yeah. divine vision for myself. Yeah. Please pray Absolutely. for the leader who's at that place and at that point in their life. Yeah, Father, we thank you, Lord, just for this awesome um, podcast and this awesome movement. And for every person, Lord, that's listening to us that may be a leader in, in this place of transition or in this middle ground. Father, I pray for their heart. I pray for their mental wellness. I pray for their family, their everything that they have their hands connected to. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would give them that urgency to love, to love beyond what everyone has done to them. Uh, the, the seasons of betrayal, the seasons of people walking away, the seasons of people talking about them. Father, I pray that you will heal their heart, that you will heal their mind, that you will give them the uh, the tenacity to run on and see what the end's going to be. I come against any type of depression, any type of uh, stagnation, any type of suicidal thoughts, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you will give them the desires of their heart as they walk upright in you. Father, touch their families, touch their minds, touch their money, touch their ministries, touch their businesses, touch anything that's connected to them, Lord, and allow them to know that true love does exist, Lord. For unconditional love, this is what you have poured upon us, Lord. And as we receive it, we also demonstrate and give it back. Now, Father, do what only you can do in these leaders' lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My brother, thank you so much. Blessings. Yes, um, and, and be good, be great, and do well. All right, buddy.